how about the fact that when and in next week? That is lit. Let's go down a little life out here. It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on the Twitter box, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. It's it's just it's just such a contented feeling. How many times in Packers, you know, fandom history have you sort of sat back, watched the game, watch it all unfold, be amazed and not frustrated? And uh, you know, we put out a group account. You know, lads, right? Defense play the second half because we surely needed them. I don't mean to crack straight into the podcast, by the way, but how content are you feeling right now? I mean, it's Victory Monday. We're sitting here after a 41-17 scoreline, which flatters the Vikings, as we all know, because Nick Mullins came out and went 4-for-4 four for, four for 57 yards uh, and went to Jalen Naylor, who ended up with the most yards for the Vikings right at the very end of the game. So look, you know, what did we see? What did we see before our eyes? From sort of an overview, it was just... Packers perfection it really was it was all three phases of the ball it was special teams it was defense it was offense all complementing each other and you know what I don't know whether that raises more questions now than it does answers because you look at this and go well where the hell was this all year you know why couldn't they do this if you look at the players and the people who are making an impact in this game and you sort of go we're there all along I mean it's not as if we sort of brought someone through and all this type of stuff like if you look at Keyshawn Nixon and his return you know that was coming you feel that it was only a matter of time. And again, we put out on Twitter, it wasn't a matter of, you know, if he gets a return for a touchdown. It's it's when, it's when it's coming. He was the leader in the league, which is incredible to say. Um, But I'll kind of get into how this is not normal. This is not, this is not normal. I want to address one thing first, though. You know, when you looked at the probability of this game, it was 6%. And like I said to people, and I always say on, on the last podcast... I will always root for this team. It's a very fan-centric fan group. That's what it is. We, we don't pretend to be a media outlet who wants to do this, that, and the other. We're very team-leaning, obviously, and we enjoy supporting the team and everything else. But when you look at the probability, it was what was it? it was 1% when we went 4-8. and eight. Then it jumped to 6%, and then it was 10%, and then it was 16%. And now it's gone through the roof. And just unbelievably so, we find ourselves... As the reporter said to Jair, it's a win-and-in situation, which is just, gob. it's absolutely mind-blowing. Because when you look at the record, and, and this happens every year in a certain division, you know, the Packers are 8-8. Eight and eight. If they go to 9-8, and eight, they somehow squeak their way in. And then the Vikings, after losing that game, you know, they had a chance for the one seed. There's, there's really weird conspiracy theories out there, which I'll get into just because they're hilarious. Um, but one of the things was the Vikings sort of threw this game because they wanted the Packers on the re-up. And that's a complete and other nonsense. Um, but you know when you look at it and I saw one guy say oh yeah it's all the haters who wanted uh, people to play Jordan Love because they thought the Packers were out I'm sorry but if you predicted that this would happen with certainty um, then you weren't paying attention it's one of those things you can almost like we did a a league in work um, where we had lads who were really into it like myself and my mate Derek and Jer. Uh, big fans of it and we sort of roped in some of the lads from the group and work and they had, hadn't got a rashers about NFL and um, what Derek would do is he'd send around a spreadsheet all the time and you know we'd be looking because sometimes you can know 
you know, you're too deep into, I'm not going to say no too much because none of us know anything. Uh, but, you know, when you look too deep into and you're overanalyzing stuff, you can sort of trip yourself up. So we were looking at the matchups and like how this trends and weather and like, you know, whereas there was a guy, Tom, and all Tom did was, is he just went uh, and the spreadsheet was set up as this team at whatever. So he went for the team that was the home team and every single week just blanketed the home team. Um, and this was when home team advantage and it was a couple of years ago and he came out much better than a lot of us just by picking the home team and sometimes you benefit by not looking at things a certain way and if you want to just throw out any analysis whatsoever and just sort of get straight into fandom of course you're going to say yeah they're going to win I always expect the Packers to win blah 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 but when you look at it I mean the Packers weren't doing great Watson hadn't emerged uh, Keyshawn Nixon was doing well in those promises but there was still a little brain fart moments the defence was criminally underperforming you know a top 10 defence on paper and then they couldn't get it going and then you look at a game like happened against the Vikings and you go this isn't the Packers that we've been seeing it isn't um, so it's nothing to do with haters and who didn't expect and didn't believe in the team we always believe but when you look at probability and you know you extrapolate on future performance based on past performance and all that kind of stuff this Green Bay Packers team, the thinking, the universal thinking, and it's right, go back and watch week one the whole way through and look at it and say to yourself, is this a team, uh, a team that was in shambles? And we saw them live. We saw them against the Cowboys and it looked like, okay, we're really getting some going here. And then we fell flat against the Tennessee Titans. And again, watch that game live. And there were some of these performances that it came down to an attitude thing. The Packers just weren't up for it. It seemed like there was a coaching issue. It looked like there was a leadership issue. Um, Aaron Rodgers himself came out and said... And he was asked by Jason Wildey, what does this mean to you? And I always think those are a bit vomiting juicing because you know what's going to come, it means a lot. That's what going to say, oh, it means the world to me and blah, blah, blah. But he came out with a pretty good answer. He said, look, I haven't played the best at times this season, but um, it means a lot that we stuck in there and we gritted it out and we're in the position that we're in. And they got an awful lot of help. So like when you put all of those things together, it wasn't too far-fetched to believe that this Packers team was going nowhere this year. Of course, they're four and eight. And they've won four in the trot. Um, and it's very easy to look back in sort of hindsight and say, you know, like look at the teams that they had to come up and play against. But there were some of those teams that we had to play um, and you look at it and go, yeah, you know, in previous years, they'd be sort of gimmies, you know. Um, and so they've come up against the Rams who are a poor team. They beat them, fair enough. But it was always the teams like, could they beat the Dolphins? And they did and did sort of convincingly. And can they beat the Vikings? Now, whatever people say as well about... And, and like we're still not there, by the way. I mean, we still have to face the Lions and the Lions have, you know, kind of come into their own and they beat the Packers when we were, you know, seemingly much better than they were. They were kind of down on their luck, kind of a chancy team. And now uh, they're sort of riding high. So, and they put up a big score. I won't get into it too much because we have our quicks in the page for your big page coming up. Um, So we won't get too deep into it. We'll kind of stick to the Vikings. But all I'm saying is that it was totally not obvious uh, that the Packers would be in this position. Add to that that the Packers needed help from so many other teams and from a lad who's on the radio and has to do the betting ACA and pick three teams every week. And you go, you can go for the highest percentages if you like. I have to pick it based on the handicap and spread because otherwise there's not much earners on it. And again, my advice always is don't bet. It's a, it's a useless waste of time and money. Um, especially NFL recently because the, like this game was just absolutely nuts. But you could not have, if I would have, for instance, the best way for the Packers not to make the playoffs would have been for me to predict that all of these scenarios would have happened because it wouldn't have happened. Um, but, you know, the Commanders losing to the Browns and you look at that and go, oh, well, that's obvious. But the Commanders are still in the mix. Uh, the Browns have played absolutely dismally um, since your man uh, Watson came in. 
Um, so again, that wasn't a gimme game. And the fact that even that went their way to sort of free up the fact that we go against the lines we win and we're in is just quite, quite incredible. You know, and there's so many storylines to this game too and so many storylines to the season that, you know, you look at it and you go, okay, so th- we do have the pieces on this team to make 41 points. You know, I mean, we could have dropped a 50-burger. There was an awful lot of um, sort of missed chances with interceptions and not not against the defenders. They did absolutely everything. But Douglas nearly came down with one, J.R. Alexander nearly came down with one, only that Slayton played a great game, a fantastic game, uh, where he tipped the ball and it just didn't fall to Alexander. But that's what I mean. I mean, you know, an absolutely dynamite game with the players that we expected them to do it. And when you look at the injuries coming into this game, there was Nixon who ended up playing and scoring that touchdown, which is an incredible story. And then on the flip side of that, you have Christian Watson, who they couldn't get him going and arguably hasn't really got going the last couple of games. But again, that was predicted on this podcast to say, if he puts good stuff on tape, if he proves he's a legit threat, threat, well, then they have to uh, put defensive resources his way. And if they do, it's going to shut him down to a degree. And then also, again, harking back to Aaron Rodgers' performance, uh, which got off to a very slow start, by the way. The offense was was incredibly slow. There was one point in this game where there was 14 points on the board for the Packers, and the Packers' offense had a total of 14 yards gained, which is just nuts. Um, so again, Rodgers being off on throws, which means that that deep threat isn't as threatening. Now, you look down the barrel of Aaron Rodgers, do you take the chance to not cover a guy going deep because you think Rodgers is going to miss him? Because in the in the exact same games that Aaron Rodgers misses some of these passes, like that Mercedes Lewis pass last week, just absolutely pinpoint. Nobody else on the planet could make it, but he did. Unbelievable storyline. So when you look at it, you know, Watson kept the defense honest, I guess. And then Aaron Jones came out and made the whole thing look incredibly easy. You know, 14 carries, 111 yards. And just how easy he makes the game look is incredible. But again, this is the team basically that the Packers had, that they couldn't get stuff together. And you do look back then, and I think that if the Packers don't make the playoffs, obviously all of us are going to be absolutely gutted because it seems like we've done the hard part and everybody else has kind of chipped in from the other NFL teams to help us out. So if we don't get by the Lions, it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's understandable but also very disappointing because you look at the lines and it, do you know what? And that's the problem, I guess, is that when you see a team like this with the Packers and you see the struggles we went through and what we had to do to get here and the probabilities and everything else and the injuries and Aaron Rodgers' thumb and then his uh, ribs and then Christian Watson was injured, then he comes in and Bakhtiari's been yo-yoing in and out and then our O-line's been moving around and Aaron Jones has been injured with the ankle injuries and whatever else is going on with him so he's played sort of a bit part AJ Dillon then couldn't really get going I mean all of the various storylines that we've had throughout this season when people start pointing at the team and saying this is just destiny and it has that feeling about it it has that sort of dare I say America's game style thing about it uh, where you look at it and go, we were so out of this thing. It was unbelievable. And now we're back in it again. And it's where if we fell to the Lions, and I'm touching wood here, is that you don't want that to happen. Uh, but it's it's an either-or situation, really, isn't it? If they get in, it's destiny, it's fate. It's can they make a run in the playoffs? Maybe this is what this gritty team needed. Versus if we get dumped out going, 
well, we shot ourselves in the foot. There's that whole narrative about, look at the games that we dropped during the season that we shouldn't have, the gimme games, the ones where it wasn't a skill issue, it was an attitude issue. Um, and it sort of sums up the season to say we got so far and then fell at the final hurdle, which is absolutely painful. But that's just how some of the stuff is written up. And I get into the game, the Vikings game, but this, again, it's like the phrase, nothing is as the Packers are not, this good and they are this good at the same time is this the Packers team that we expected to see all along because what we've been missing out is that consistency and then you look at it and sort of you look at just the absolute insane stuff that went their way even the doink of Mason Crosby's 56 yard field goal which is his longest field goal for the Packers in Lambeau and it doinked over the the post sometimes you just get the breaks and there's an awful lot of times with the Packers where it just doesn't go their way and so much went their way but let's begin I guess, by just talking about Jair Alexander. Because the criticism is is that he was yakking too much. Uh, he did the gritty. Um, you know, he was being cocky and all that. But if you know Jair Alexander, that's just the way he's always been. He's, he's always been that type of guy. But it's when Brett Favre comes out and says, I'm back from rehab, we're going to make the Super Bowl. When Joe Namath comes out and announces that he's going to win. It always puts the heebie-jeebies up people because they're thinking... A, you know, the superstitious of us are like, you're tempting fate and don't do that and it's going to come back and bite you in the ass and that's the storyline because when you do it, it's like when someone does the championship belt in front of Aaron Rodgers. But Alexander came out and to remind people said that Justin Jefferson's performance against the Packers was a fluke in week one. And, you know, there was all of this talk about, I can't believe he called Jefferson a fluke. Now he clarified and said, I wasn't calling him a fluke. I was saying that his numbers against us was a fluke because every time he seemed to catch the ball, he was open and that shouldn't have happened. And there was all of this drama about, he asked the Packers coaching staff, could he shadow Jefferson? And they put it down to the fact that every time he caught the ball, uh, Alexander wasn't on him. And that sort of proved the fact that he should have shadowed him a bit more. Now the storyline with this game was, is he called that a fluke? Uh, he did the gritty in front of Jefferson. Again, kind of that storyline that you're provoking and poking the bear. And Jefferson is a record-breaking player and is an absolutely elite, fantastic wide receiver. Um, so there's a for and against in this argument. You can provoke someone like that, but it's not as if Jefferson goes underneath the radar. This is this guy's going to be the highest-paid wide receiver uh, in the history of the NFL. Uh, he's earned it with his production on the field. And when you look at, they've had Dalvin Cook in there who had a very high ceiling. Uh, they have other running backs in there with Minnesota uh, who were promised a lot. They've Thielen in there. Uh, they've Hawkinson now. I mean, the, the the ball can be spread around to a lot of talented people. And then you've Kirk Cousins who has been criticized an awful lot about not getting the job done. This game somehow proves it to some people. And I already see a narrative being talked about on the talking head shows about you know, does Kirk Cousins disappear in big games? And then you look at the games that he has won and all of that kind of stuff. But leaving all of that storyline aside, Justin Jefferson is a generational talent. So to pinpoint him and go after him is still a very dangerous tactic. And I know there was, and we put it out as well to say that, look, Alexander talked to talk and then he walked to walk. And then the Vikings reporters came out and said, yeah, look, that's all a load of nonsense. That storyline isn't true. Uh, the, the, sheer fact of it is that Alexander made some splash plays on him but he had an awful lot of safety help and they kind of said that as if you know like oh that's a that's a slight on Alexander that's the really good game plan and in fact that's the frustrating part I guess with this Packers team which played a perfect game was that why wasn't this the strategy beforehand you know because they're talking about um 
well at the beginning Alexander apparently said he was he was given out to by the coaches say stop doing that and that's a fairly sound strategy don't poke someone who is known to everybody and they still can't stop him it's a Devontae Adams style player uh, but you know even down to doing the gritty on the field and provoking him there um, you know and with that sort of safety and jamming Jefferson at the line of scrimmage and Lafleur came out then and says you know I don't think Jefferson is used to that and it's not something that we've put on tape why not? Why haven't you put that on tape? Why isn't that a strategy? Jam him at the line. If it's going to knock him on his ass or it's going to, you know, discombine, because that, that's what happens to the Packers wide receivers. You know, there was this criticism that they get jammed, they get knocked out of their route and they kind of can't really recover. And we saw that happen. The frustration came out quite clearly on Justin Jefferson because every second play, he was ripping off his helmet and smashing it into the ground or beating a referee up with it. And how he wasn't flagged for that, I don't know. Now, looking at it, and not speaking as a Packers fan or whatever, you can see where the mistake happened. But at the same time, I mean, you look at Alan Lazard, he got fined by the NFL, $10,000, a bit over ten grand, for counting the defenders that he knocked down with a block. And the NFL even used that as comedic clout on socials. And they put that video out there and was hilarious. And then they deleted that tweet mysteriously when they fined him ten k for taunting, when all he did was count players. Is there a precedent for it? Can you understand it? Maybe. Is it a load of nonsense that kind of takes the fun out of it and gets them criticised? Absolutely. So Alexander does the greedy in front of him. And he doesn't get done for taunting. Again, which is incredibly lucky. And so what did we do? We held Jefferson to one catch for 15 yards. Now, will Alexander get hit with a fine after? Probably. And has the NFL used that as social media clout? Yeah, because it's highly entertaining. Uh, but the fact that he called him out, he called his performance a fluke, and then the Packers backed that up. And whether he had safety help or no safety help, he still made some fantastic pass breakups, and he played the psychological game, which when you're on the opposite side of it is really annoying. Um, it's like Diego Costa back in the day for Chelsea. He was seemingly a dirty player. He'd get up in your face and he was annoying, but I'm sure Chelsea fans absolutely loved him. Again, there'll be fans that hate him because they don't like that shenanigans. Again, fair enough. But, you know, Alexander, when Jefferson, you know, tried to make a block to get the returner off the sidelines, Alexander was in, jarring at him. He was he was pushing him in the back on the way up on that play as well, just really annoying him. And he was talking and chattering to him all game. Now, Jefferson said that didn't get to him, but it quite clearly did. Because when you show displays of ripping off your helmet and spiking it into the ground more than once and abusing a referee in the back with it before realising what you did, uh, well then yeah, yeah, they've got it in your head. I'm sorry, you can't sort of play it off to say it didn't really affect me because that's not characteristic for him. So that storyline was fascinating in itself. Then you take the Darnell Sauvage, Sauvage uh, thing as well. You know, here's a player who came into this game, was kind of disgraced, had admitted that he was too zealous about the whole ordeal, you know, dropped his assignment and went after the ball too much, got benched and then came back and now he scores an interception. Uh, which is incredible. So even that redemption story in itself, you know, the fact that Nixon was injured, comes back in, scores a return touchdown. And just the bizarre stats that the last time that the Packers had uh, a kick return touchdown and an interception return for a touchdown in the same game was 1967, which is 55 slash 56 years ago, which is unbelievable. So the thing is, is that this game was not normal. You look at Bobby Tonyan, he comes down with a touchdown. When was the last time he got one? The defense gets a touchdown. When was the last time we returned something and capitalized so much on those interceptions? 
Uh, the special teams get a touchdown. Like I said, first time since 1967 that that's happened in the same game. Rogers scrambles for a touchdown, gets him with the pump fake. You know, when's the last time one of those happened in the game? Mason Crosby is 38 years of age. They have elevated a second kicker for game day to make big kicks because they don't feel that Crosby either has the leg, maybe he's carrying a knock. Not only that, is that Crosby pre-game did not attempt any kicks over 50 yards. Add to that, he has never kicked for 56 yards or above in Lambeau Field in his entire career. Out comes Crosby. He kicks a career long at Lambeau Field, despite no warm-ups doing it, despite the backup being there, uh, and despite the fact that he's already the highest scoring Packer in Green Bay Packers history. It makes it by doinking it off the crossbar. That is not normal. Savage played well, got an interception. Slayton played incredible and got a few tips. Amos played really well and got that interception. The offense started off slow and like I mentioned earlier, we had 14 yards, yet there was 14 points up on the board. The Vikings slapped down a punt and got it to the Green Bay, what was it, the one yard line? And the only thing that they came away with was three points. Again, that's not normal. The Vikings kicker Joseph comes out, he misses two field goals. He had made 14 in a row up to that missed field goal. That's not normal. Kirk Cousins had three interceptions and a 49.2 passer rating in the game. Now you can say what you like about Kirk Cousins and he can and can't show up. Uh, but the fact that they came out and absolutely everything that could have went the Packers way went the Packers way. Even down to Jair Alexander not getting that taunting call when we've seen it plenty of other times that you know, there's been a personal foul. And the fact that the defense came out and played absolutely gritty. And the thing is, is that it seems obvious at times. And that's why I've been asked on the radio by uh, Reggie an awful lot of times. Like, why, why, why is the quarterback position so difficult? Because you see these young lads coming out and doing well. You know, uh, you see Nick Mullins coming out in garbage time. And I know we had our second stringers out there. You know, you've Stidham coming out. You've, you know, Brock Purdy coming out. And... Some people just make it look easy and then you have veterans like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers sometimes that make it look so seamless but also make it look so difficult as well. And the fact that, you know, the Packers offense came out, slow start and did the business. Look, everything just came together. So will we have a, another game like this? It's not very likely. It's not very probable that we will. And, and it's very hard to pinpoint it because... You know, you'd look at Nixon and we'll isolate his performance. He has been working up to the performance that he had. Um, you know, AJ Dillon gets uh, a touchdown as well and there was a fantastic celebration there. When was the last time that, you know, he got it? And I know the Packers have committed to, you know, goal line running with him and it frustrates people because Aaron Jones is, is getting so much purchase. But that ended up working out. And as I was saying, the defensive tactics were seeming obvious um, but were so on the money with you know, jabbing people on the line, you know, with that sort of call about offensive um, and defensive pass interference. They had that down to Petit. There was no silly penalties. There was the Quay Walker WWE moment where he slams him into the ground. But then that kind of fed into that greedy Jair Alexander, the defense getting up in your face. Um, you know, Kenny Clark uh, strips the ball and, and comes down with the ball as well for an incredible... Um, you know, strip fumble uh, recovery, which is just unbelievable. And then there was even opportunities left out on the field with missed interceptions, as I said earlier, with Alexander and Douglas. 
you know, and then the defense get Jair Alexander, let him cover um, Justin Jefferson more than you usually do. I think there was something like maybe 10 of his 30 snaps or 30 something snaps in week one. And then that jumped up to 20 or 21 of his 36 snaps this time around. So they almost doubled the coverage there. And when they had to hand them off, they did it well. And the defense on the backfield, on the back end played really well. The defensive line uh, played lights out as well. But it's really consistency is key. So you've players in this game who made a massive impact and players who didn't make an impact, who were making an impact. And it's just that lack of consistency there. Savage, as I said, it's a fantastic redemption story. The fact that he comes into the game, he plays really well, he contributes. Uh, he sort of benefits from the ball getting swap, swatted down at the you know the line um, and Aaron throws and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that they shut Jefferson down and then we went up to a big lead, which made Kirk Cousins throw the ball more and sort of stray away from the run. You know, but Savage made a big impact in this game but didn't earlier in the season you know Slayton had the best game of his career in this game again you could say he's sort of working up to it but again he's played well and above expectation in this point so I guess the frustrating part is is that this looks promising but can they replicate it against the Lions and can they use that momentum to go forward certainly what we saw from the defense from Quay Walker and from Slayton and from Amos and from Savage and uh, Keyshawn Nixon and I mean it's absolutely dynamite stuff and the D-line played really well Kenny Clark got that penetration that we wanted um, you know and the fact that we've you know Rashan Gary's out for instance is just incredible you know Lazard's Mr. Dependable again he had the most receiving yards in this game five receptions for 59 yards um, but look at Aaron Rodgers stats 15 for 24 for 159 yards and one touchdown didn't really light it up but it's complimentary football and we've always missed one of those complimentary parts this season you know we've played well on offense for maybe a half and the defense let us down or vice versa we play really well on offense the whole game but the defense you know doesn't do well special teams is so so you know the microcosm of this whole season was that Giants game where the first half was dynamite and then the second half was atrocious but it's so hard not to get excited because you know you're you are as good as your scoreline is you don't sort of put something up and the scores don't lie and your record doesn't lie. If you, you know, if you look at the Vikings and you say they're pretenders, but at the end of the day, I mean, they were able to eke out the close games. They were able to come back in games. They have a really, really talented roster as well. And that doesn't take away from the fact that on the day that they had a very poor game and things really didn't go their way and you flip it to the other side and the Packers have just the most complete game I've seen in a couple of seasons. And we've seen sort of little spots of this and we've seen one or two games over the past couple of seasons that have been this dynamite. But what a time to put this game on paper and on tape is when you absolutely need it. And there's an awful lot to be said for the fourth win on the trot and for it to be so emphatic as it was is just, it really does give vibes of the last Super Bowl winning season. And I know they talked about that the Packers come in and then emphatically romped home with a win against the Giants and that kind of set the tone. I just wonder, does this set the tone now or do we come back to the norm? Because sometimes teams go on a hot run and they don't come back to the norm for the rest of the season. I mean, this game was so baffling for Vikings fans is that there's a number of goofy conspiracy theories out there. The one I mentioned earlier in the podcast, which was that the, the Vikings somehow threw this game because they wanted the seeding to fall their way. But I would imagine if they had a chance to go for the number one seed, which they did and which they do, well, then they're obviously not going to throw that away. Not in such embarrassing fashion. Let's just park it there because it's absolute nonsense. The other one that I saw on Vikings Twitter, um, on Packers Twitter from Vikings Reddit, actually, was people saying that 
if you look at the wetness in the middle of the field, uh, there was no, and they said there was no precipitation in Green Bay since the 23rd of December. So why was the middle of the field so wet? And that obviously worked to their advantage. And that's why Justin Jefferson had to change his cleats. And that's why he couldn't get out and going. And that they knew if they only, you know, Jair could cover him because he didn't have to cover him in the middle of the field because they knew he would fall down because it was slipping. You know, ignoring the fact that those physics tie uh, and apply to the Packers players as well. So apparently the Packers overwatered the middle of the field. That overwatering only impacted Vikings players, not Packers players. And look, you can get deep with a tinfoil hat and say, well, the Packers had certain cleats for that thing. And well, then what happens when they got onto the dry part of the field versus the wet? Complete and utter hogswash. Uh, but again, it just kind of shows that you know, the Vikings were playing well. All of a sudden, they get exposed. They got exposed by the Lions as well. And now, it's not it's not, not their fault. Uh, you know, it just comes down to it. But look, the thing is, when Jair Alexander talked about flukiness and that that's not normal, this game certainly was not normal. Between Tanya getting the touchdown, the D getting the touchdown, the special teams getting it, Rodgers going in for a scramble, AJ Dillon performing, Crosby hitting his longest career uh, field goal in that game. Cousins having a nightmare of a game. The Vikings kicker missing all over the place. The blocked punt, which only ends up in three points. I mean, there's just an absolute laundry list. Darnell Sauvage uh, puts on a display. Justin Jefferson only ends up with uh, one catch for 15 yards. Dalvin Cook only ends up with, uh, what did he have, nine carries and a handful of yards as well. Um, 27 yards on nine carries. That's really not normal for him um, and for everybody to not perform. Uh, Madison was their top rushing uh, leader. He had eight carries for 38 yards. So, as I said, the get this is not normal. It does give hope and it is exactly what the Packers should be doing at this point in the season. It's what they had to do if not they were out. And the question is, is at the very last hurdle against the Lions... Can they replicate this again? They're going to go in as favourites. And let me know what you think. Think, Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Let me know what you think. Are the Packers this good? Can they replicate this performance? And are they, is it true? Are these the team that nobody wants to have um, when it comes to the playoffs? So it's actually breaking news as I record this podcast that the Packers-Lions game is set for Sunday night football at 7.20 central time. So again, it's a late one. And of course it is, because this game will knock out and have a knock-on effect for so many other teams in the league. And it has been an absolute fairy tale story up to this point. So what a game. What an incredible game. You can sit here proud as a Packers fan. Maybe they're turning it around. It looks like the coaching was good. The attitude on special teams has been fantastic. And that's been talked about by the players. Um, but everything did go the Packers way and it will fall back to the norm but for going 41-3 up and had they left their starters on that could have increased on our side and stayed the same on the Vikings side we could have put up a 50 burger on a team that came into Lambeau at 12-3 and and were trying to lock up the one seed or make their way to it at least uh, which is not to be sniffed at so again they can come up with excuses um, but that was just an absolutely lights out Incredible performance by a team who could be getting hot at the right time. But before we even get there, we need to beat the Lions. If we lose to the Lions, we're out. In and win and in, out and on the couch. So anyway, I've been at Steedy the NFL. This has been at UK Packers. We'll be back with some quick snapage with some special guests coming up soon. The Packers are nearly there, guys. We've hit 500. 
it's all to play for on the very last game of the season. You could not write this script. So until quick snaps, go pack go.